and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Brenda Keen, I am so happy to have you as my guest for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I have to just say to anybody who's listening that you are a wonderful sponsor of our online lunches and I couldn't do it without you. And I thank you hugely. You're my first sponsor ever for She's the Boss and I've been doing it three years without monetizing it at all. Oh, wow. So I very much appreciate it. Anyway, enough about me. Uh, this is all about <laughs> you. So let's tell everybody, I want you to tell everybody what it is that you're doing. Um, so what I do is I make leggings, but I design the leggings or I have an Australian designer do the designs for us. And we, yeah. our point of difference is that we make them for curvy women and pretty much everybody really. So we now make leggings for men and children as well. Oh, but do you? Oh, I yeah. didn't know you did men as well. But yeah. I know that you're so inclusive because your sizes run from a, is it a six, six to a 38? To, correct. Yep. So we I have love the, that. One of the biggest size ranges in Australia. And Australia, it, I bet. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk at the moment, as you would have known, about um, being inclusive and bigger sizes and the fact that Chadston doesn't have any curvy shopping shops anymore. <laughs> so with the revamp, they have not included any curve um, options. And and the, cur- the shops that do say they have curve options only have them online, which, you know, we're online as well, but we do have our um, some of our stock in a shop in Brunswick in Victoria. So that's sort of the only place at the moment for us. Um, but we've been in, we've been making our leggings now for six years, so right. five years five years online. We did a soft launch um, when we first started, and uh, you know we have we've just we haven't had any returned um, because of bad uh, poor quality or anything, and that's really why I started our leggings. Was well, I was going to say what what was the light bulb moment? What happened yeah. that made you go? I'm going to go and start building making leggings. Well, I think it was you know that. I was on a – I used to be super fit when I was young, so really active. and oh, really so sporty. Could always, yeah, had tons of leggings. But yeah. then when I, you know, circumstances changed, I got bigger and I, did, I for health reasons I needed to lose some weight, went to uh, look for something and there was nothing. Like there's no. nothing over a size 16. I went into Lorna Jane, Lululemon. Which is, let's at, be honest, considered curve, which is just ridiculous. Because no. isn't 16 the average? I think it's yeah. the average size of women everywhere anyway. I mean, it's yep. just crazy, really. It is. It's really tough. And it's, you know, Nike, Adidas, no one had anything. Or you could squeeze yourself in like a sausage, but then one sit up and it's rolled down to, you know, <laughs> your, your, uh, you're describing me. You're your, uh, <laughs> what is it, your pubic line and, you know, yeah. they won't stay up. You try and run, they're all sliding down. So, yeah, it was. Or you bend over and you're showing <coughs> your knickers to everyone and they can Tone, see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was terrible and there was just nothing. So, this was like 10, this was 10 years ago, over 10 years now. Um, and I kept thinking, why is no one looking at this? Like, there's got to be a market for it. But I didn't know anything about starting a fashion label or, you know, starting any sort of label, let alone fashion. And, you know, the only things that the girls could find in maybe Target or Kmart were black, black, yep. more yep. black. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was a bit like the t-shirts too like they they want big girls to back in those days you know the big collars uh, the yes. beautiful sailor collars for big girls like because we need to cover everything and sort of hide that we've got boobs and oh so, my yeah. god I don't think I knew that but I think oh, I missed that memo yeah oh it's, they were horrible <laughs> so anyway and you know shoulder pads because you know if you're big you really need to accentuate your shoulders oh. so yeah so I I yeah I I, I Sorry, I'm stuttering. I just can't even understand why there was nothing. Move forward probably four or five years and I got invited to a Margie Worrell um, Be Brave weekend. I was okay. working at NAB, working as a change manager in NAB. And right. it was all about, is there something you've wanted to do but something holds you back? You know, have you got an idea? And a friend and friend and I said, why don't we go do this? Like, let's go. Let's see. I don't know. Let's be brave. Yeah. So we did that, went along. I pitched, you had to pitch your idea to the other ladies. I think there's about 24 women there. So there's quite a few women at this week retreat. Yeah. And I pitched the idea of the curvy leggings and everyone was just like, why hasn't, hasn't it been done? It is one of those. It was like, (laughs) everyone's like, you need to do it. So as part of that weekend, we had to write a a plan of, you know, what will we do in one month, three months, six months and 12 months. And 12 12 months to the day, my first samples arrived from overseas. So that was what, you know, the light bulb moment when I realised this idea really does need to get kicked off. I do need to do it. And I also had like the accountability buddy um, in Juge who we had gone along with to sort of, we'd have a meeting every, you know, key point to say, have you done this? Have you done your website? Have you done? So, yes, it was um, good to have someone kicking it along. You know what I also really love, even though you say curve, that you're going down as low as a six. And the reason for that is nobody talks about when you're super skinny. All we talk about is, is you know, because I'm a big girl as well. Uh, I've uh, had a boob reduction, but I used to have very big boobs too. Yeah. And, um, and nobody really talks though about small. They just talk about no. big. Well, that's it. And what so happened it, was that the customers, beautiful. we did start at Curve and then customers were saying, we really, we're small. We want to wear your leggings. And I have a girlfriend whose daughter has suffered with anorexia and needed tiny leggings and they don't make them that small unless you want kids' leggings and kids' yeah. leggings don't have phone pockets and things like that. So, yeah, so then we went, okay. But, you know, I mean it comes with it comes with the cost because it's a yes, big it's a size range, range to carry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I just do it so that because I want everyone to feel comfortable when they're in their leggings. If, if you're going to move or even just lounge around on the couch, you need to feel – I want people to feel comfortable and – it, sometimes putting on a really nice, fun, bright pair of leggings can make your day a bit better. That oh, people 100%. tell me that. A hundred percent. I reckon I live in leggings. Um, I know. You know, even my even my jeans are like leggings, really. So, so I get it, yes. and I love the patterned ones. I love ones that have sort of something a bit more unusual. All right. Yeah. Well, so Brenda, let's go all the way back to when you were a little girl, and then we're going to talk about how you got to where you are now. And no doubt a whole lot of other things will come up out of that. But let's start off with where did you grow up and what size family did you have? So I grew up, I, I was born in New South Wales, but I, we, my dad's okay. an army, army, I'm an army child. So my dad's in the, was in the army. Oh, I'm one too. Army oh, there brat. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we moved to Portsea because dad was in, um, the, at the, he was a PTO. Oh. So he trained off, trained the officers down there. 
Uh, so we lived at Portsea yeah. when we first came to Melbourne and then he decided that the army wasn't for him anymore and we moved up to like Mulgrave, Wheelers Hill area. Um, they bought, they built their first, you know, their house here and we lived there until right. they retired back down to Rye, so back down to where we'd started, mum and dad retired <laughs> to. So, yeah, so dad then taught. Isn't that in interesting? A lot of, so, so uh, oh, sorry, yeah, I was going to say he's. Your he dad, a, so your dad was a teacher? Yeah, he's a sportsmaster. So he's did a lot of sport at um, all the all the private schools. He went to every religion, so he was well covered when he departed. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is yeah. so funny. You know, when we first moved to Australia when I was 12, one of my dad's friends from the British Army, because we were in the British Army, yep. um, had gone down to Portsea and I remember going crabbing in the beaches inside oh, yes. the you know the offices whatever yes. it was there and seeing all the all the squaddies and the soldiers doing their sort of you know exercises behind you know how they because yes. if you're in the army you're doing it you know with everyone everyone's following the rules and there'd be two at a time or three across you know in a big row and they'd all be running down and running back and yes. up and down the beach so that could have been your dad <laughs> Probably was yes. He was uh, he was known to be tough. <laughs> well, I think you have to be. I think in those yeah. in those kind of roles. And so, any brothers or sisters? I have two sisters. I'm the okay. oldest, so my um, I have a sister that's two years apart from me, and then my younger sister Melissa, who's fifteen. So yeah, Debbie and Melissa. Fifteen years younger than you. Sorry, not fifteen, 15 years, years younger. Old, yeah, no, though. not fifteen years old. Sorry, <laughs> I just wanted no. to double check because I was going to no, go. That's mum's a not big one. Gap. <laughs> no, no, she she was actually. So my mum used to be a foster mum, and Melissa was oh, one of wow. our foster babies. Right. And then um, we had her once we'd had her for over nine months because normally you just have them for six weeks while the parent decides if you know the what mother decides yeah. if she's going to adopt out. Um, we had her for nearly nine months and we said, well, she's ours now. We can't give her away. So oh, we went through the beautiful. adoption process. So, yeah, so that's how I she's. think that I, I do think that families that, um, you know, for you to have grown up in that situation is actually really, it's fantastic. It, it just, it, it, I, I grew up with um, two cousins that were adopted and we always knew that they were super special because they had been chosen as opposed to, you know, just arriving and you'd have exactly. to take whatever you're given. Yeah, so, I, so true. I, I do think that that um, it, it, you're very lucky is I guess what I'm trying to say. I think that that's a really nice model of family to grow up in. Yeah. So, so um, what was school like? Did you, were you good at school? Did you like school? Um, yeah, I like school. I I went to a school that was brand new when I went to high school. So primary school okay. I met my I have three other friends. There's four of us and we have been friends since grade 2, which is oh, when I came wow. to Melbourne. Yeah, and then we went to high school in a brand new school. So there was only one year above us. So we didn't really I don't know, we I when I hear people talk about bullying and stuff at school, I didn't experience any of that or witness any of that. Um, a few of my friends have said there was some stuff that went on, but um, we were very small. lucky. Yeah, and like yeah, we're still we're still a, a close knit like year level. Group. We had a reunion recently where nearly you know half the half of us turned up, and we kind of through Facebook some have reconnected and things. So yeah, I've been was very lucky at school. In fact, I went to see uh, a show last night. Um, can't even think Sarah Milliken with the friend that I actually yeah. went to high school with but haven't seen for over 30 years. So that was nice. So yeah, That's we're beautiful. still all really good friends. And then at school I was, yeah, pretty smart, really. Like didn't have to study too hard. 
Apparently, okay. I talked too much. <laughs> Can't imagine what I can relate where to that. that. Comes from. <laughs> I remember, and I actually saw Mr. Grundy, who was the teacher, who said it. But he said, "If you could, if you studied as hard as you talk, you would be an A plus student." <laughs> so yeah, so um, okay, but yeah, so, so did yeah, right. Maybe you were a bit like me. I was always being told to go out into the corridor so that everyone could work because I was too distracting. <laughs> And Probably. then, and then it would then always be like the principal had always walked past when oh. I was in the corridor, and you'd be going, "Oh, I'm really sorry, you know, I won't do this again." Okay, so <laughs> uh, so you're at school. Did you go through to year twelve? Yes, I did VCE, and I passed VCE. Um, but okay. I was I had a job already going. I didn't really want to go to uni because um, I didn't know what I wanted to do really. But I got a job in the bank, and back in those days, like you you kind of were given your job prior. Like I got my job before I'd finished VCE in the bank. Yes, so I started okay. off. Yeah, yep. so I started off working in the bank in Noble Park, downtown Noble Park. We got robbed oh, twice. I know that area well. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it's a bit rough. My dad was a doctor in the hospital down in Noble Park. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, it was rough, and so yeah, twice. Yeah, it was it, two, robbed two weeks in a row. Um, so I decided I didn't really love that job as a teller in the bank and moved to a credit union in the city where I did marketing. So I moved, I started off as a teller there and then decided to do the marketing for the, I mean, I didn't decide on my own, obviously. (laughs) No, with a bit of help from one of the senior people there. Yeah. But Um, they must have seen something in you to say, you know, and that'll be your personality, I would imagine, all being bubbly and chatty. (laughs) Um, And they would have gone, she's a marketing, not a finance woman. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so how long did you last there, and did you enjoy it? Um, Borderworks Credit Union. I was probably there for about oh, five or six years. Oh, okay. But quite a while, and then from there, um, I think I had. I don't even know if it was if I was still at the credit union when I got married. Isn't that terrible? I can't even think. But I, but I think I might have been. And then, <laughs> but around that uh, time. Around that time. Oh, no, I, I know where I was. So then I went from there to SSW Supermarkets, which was an independent that are now. Oh, God, I'd forgotten that name. Yeah. So <laughs> they're still around, but they're now, are they, IGA, I think, is now, was, yeah, was SSW. So then I was their marketing systems manager, which I love that job. It's the best job okay. ever. But had a child and when I went back to work, it was just too hard because I was travelling from um, Blackburn to Footscray every day with a three-month-old right. to deal yeah. with and all that sort of stuff. He's now 33, so he did survive. <laughs> well, that um, probably has no no adverse effect no, from it at all. No, but doesn't so, remember. So you had to give up that job, did you? I gave up that job, yeah, and um, went to work still in supermarkets but just doing like um, duty manager at night and things like that, so that I was home during the day with him and then his brother and sister that were born a bit later. Right. So you were a stay-at-home mum for a while, which is kind a full-on job, as we know. Kind of, because I was still working. I always worked. I was working part-time. Oh, you still worked. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what did your hubby do? Um, He was, well, we had our own business that he was meant to be running, but that's a whole other right, story. That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other story, but okay. um, not very supportive. And so, yeah, so I always had to work to earn money to look after the family. And when, um, and then I moved to Bilo Supermarkets, which became Coles uh, yeah, later Coles, on. So yes, I Coles. Yes. 
Um, they were part of the Coles Group, though, weren't they? For, were not they originally. Part of the Coles group? No, oh, okay. not originally. That they bought Philo. Yeah, and um, that was probably one of the best places I ever worked because it was a really it was a different vibe. It was, and people from Bilo I'm still friends with, but then we became Coles, and I was working um, in HR. Got put on a project. God, you're moving around, so you've I know gone from, I've done a lot. To, I know when I go marketing to HR. Yep, keep yeah, going. HR. So I was doing a um, course at Homes Glen, the uh, HR course to right. You know, so that I had the skills and the knowledge I needed to do that job. And from there, I got put onto projects, and so decided that I liked like HR projects. And then I just started working in projects in general for right. Coles still. I was with Coles for about 20 odd years. One of oh, my wow. old bosses said I had more comebacks than Dame Nellie Melba <laughs> <laughs> because I'd like, I might leave like, when I left Bilo. So Bilo merged with Coles. I had small children and they wouldn't let me part, work part time. So I was made redundant, but Ouch. then they brought me back the next week to work in the, um, <laughs> the next week. Yes. To work in the, um, what did they call it then? They had a Coles University, which we did all the training for store operations. Okay. So, yeah, so I had a job straight away. <laughs> it's <was> very bizarre. <laughs> and then, you know, I'd leave again or, the you know, the contract would be up and then I'd be back on, you know, replacing someone who was on maternity leave. So I worked there for a really long time at Coles and, you know, it was a good, it was a really good job and, you know, you learn a lot. Like you really do, they educate you. you, you do lots of courses and things and I got my PMP certification while I was there for project management but then decided that I didn't love delivering the news that the project wasn't going to be delivered on time to the stakeholders. Um, right. So I started working in the change training and communications. So, and, but no, but how did that shift even happen? Because was that literally um, because you're in a very big company and somebody's saying we need someone and they go, well, it's easy to shift someone internally because the skills yeah. sets that you've they needed kind someone, of acquired they along needed the way someone, are quite diverse. <laughs> yeah, I think they needed someone to do the change on a project. So one project that I was working on, we I kind of did both and I think then I, the next project they're like, oh, would you like to do change? And I'm like, yeah, I really would. Um, so then I went and have worked in change. They had a few programs they ran that sort of taught you a bit more about managing change. Um, I also did my training certification so that I could write training and stuff like that. So, yeah, change training and comms. And that's what I've sort of stuck well, at I mean, for probably ch- the last maybe 12 years or more. Um, well, it's, and that's, it's, it's totally really where – Good job. It's, where, it's, the, it's, the, it's the thing that's on everyone's lips really, isn't it, change management? I mean, I hear about <laughs> it moment, all the yeah. time. And I guess <laughs> yeah, and I why? guess now post – well, pre, during and post-pandemic it became even more important. Well, it did because, yeah, just managing people's, I mean, their their mental well-being, their, their health, I suppose, as the projects progress because a lot of people, you know, I mean, let's, we don't love change. Like if someone says, you know, we've got to move your bedroom to the other side of the house and you're like, really? Like I don't want to do that. But there might be good reasons to do it and it's about trying to show someone what the good reason is and why you would want to do it. We we sometimes do exercises where we're trying to explain to people where everyone gets really comfortable where they're sitting, you know, they set themselves up and then we make everybody move and everyone hates it. Hates but we it. sort of, you know, and we give them incentives to move. Like if you go over here, we'll give you, you know, five Two and if yeah, yeah, exactly, and <laughs> stuff like that, and and that's the sort of thing. And because when people hear about change at work, or and they're not informed, and so there's lots of whispers going around. A lot of people think yeah, lots that of change is going to 
Yeah, and that the that you're there to take their jobs away, like you're there to downsize or you're there to do something like that. So it's about making sure, like for us, it's been a real challenge and I've only been with this council for a year but we've really been able to show them that if you tell people what's going on and you explain to them when it's coming, what it is, if it's got bugs, if it's not working 100%, they will be okay with that and they'll back you and they'll do what you need. But if you don't. No, they're just they're just resistant and they tell everybody else how bad it's going to be and don't do it and don't turn up to the training and yeah actually about oh god it would be 15 or 20 years ago when I first had my PR agency we worked with a company that specialized in change management they had some kind of a board game I just remember this really well because I haven't worked in corporate for so long and I love change myself obviously as an entrepreneur I'm constantly changing yes. things But I remember that with this game, what they did somehow or other was got the employees to come to the conclusion at the end of the game that they needed to change. So it was their decision and they kind of bought into it because they understood it. And I thought Ah, that that was really clever. But it's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't played that game. I know we used to do the who moved the cheese one, but um, with the mice. (laughs) I haven't heard that one. All the time, it's about you know who moved the cheese. I can't even remember the whole thing, but yeah, it's it's a, a well known mind. Yeah. Okay. So, so but I never. So, yeah. yeah. But there on. was never any. Fa- I was just gonna say I loved fashion. I loved drawing, and I actually always wanted to be different to everybody else. I suppose a little bit different, but there was no there was no training for you know anything to do with fashion or running a fashion business or anything like right. that. Right. In all my skills. Right. And so um so you worked in the change management for a while. So at what yep. and then it was what did you say 4 years ago that you decided to that you went to this oh, 6 event? years ago. Yeah, 6, six years. 6 years ago. Yeah. So now let's talk a little bit about what it's like starting your own business because <laughs> it's fresh enough for you that you would remember for me it's such I a long do. time ago. So talk to me about um what it was like. I mean, what what did you learn along the way just with starting the business? Um, that you're going to make mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the first thing was actually like under, just thinking naively that I could, you know, go maybe on Alibaba or somewhere and just order some leggings and have a look at them and be able to yeah. just sell them to people and ignorance is bliss isn't it yeah <laughs> I love it, that saying <laughs> yeah it's so true and because if um, we knew we'd never do it no and so then just working out um just looking at uh, you know even just register so registering the business all those sorts of things there's lots of admin that you need to do you know on the side it's not just about you know I suppose saying oh I'm going to have a business <laughs> And I'll then you buy a domain and name go. and off you go. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, so talk to me about some of the challenges then because having a fashion business and not having a background in fashion, for instance, um, Peter Gay McLaughlin who runs Iridis Cosmetics is one of the women in the She's the Boss group and she has this great story about how she loved makeup so much she started her own brand. But what she did, and it's probably not dissimilar to you in some ways, is that she took every shade of lipstick that she loved, every eyeshadow she loved, every everything, completely overordered, spent all her money on stock. I'm not saying that you did that specifically, and then went, 
oh yeah, there's things like marketing and things that I'm paying yeah. myself that I'm going to need to do. <laughs> and so I guess learning, and then I was talking to the woman who started Bondi Chai and oh, she yeah. was saying that the first time, and that took them eight years to turn it into a profit. But what I thought was really interesting was the first order, the minimum order was a ton and they didn't <gasps> even have one customer. Oh, so they no. bought a ton of chai powder and then went about selling it. So what sort of challenges did you have in those early days with stock well, that uh, that minimum order quantity is still a challenge at the moment because um, for me, it's about, um, I suppose, trying to be, you know, ethical and sustainable. And when you order the stock and if, if the min, you know, some of the, especially if you order from China. So I've, I've done some work with China just recently on some just plain block colors because they have some beautiful fabrics that they can get in more easily than where I get my other leggings made. Um, right. And the minimum order quantity is huge. So I haven't actually yet put my first order in because I'm still negotiating with them about that the size of that order because if I don't sell it, I'm stuck with all this stock that then isn't, it isn't sustainable, even though we've used yeah. recycled fabric. So we the fabric is recycled materials. Yeah, so that that's difficult. So I found a supplier um, who's in a smaller factory very, it's just two brothers and yeah. they allow me to order smaller quantities. So I don't share their name with anyone because I don't want anyone to. No. <laughs> not because I, I like I, I want to help other people, but just because I I need them to be able to supply to me. That's right. So they do That's supply right. a lot of European um, clothing companies and things like that, but they, I'm the only one in Australia at the moment um, and they will supply me. So sometimes I've also can do a drop shipping arrangement with them, which I don't do much because I make really nothing of it. But if someone wanted something urgently, they will make one pair and send it, which you right. can't. It's difficult to get. So that's overseas. interesting because there there is a woman called Ashlog Magnus Dottier that I interviewed, and I'll I'll send you the interview. But she was the founder of Modus Moda Operandi in the US, okay. which was the first place where you could go and buy straight off the catwalk. So ah. she started Vera Wang and those people would walk down the catwalk and people could go and order their stock straight from the catwalk, which gave the designer the ability to be able to predict to an extent which products were um, going, going to, to sell, sell well and which weren't, which were the ones that people really liked. But now she runs this business called Catla. She's, um, she's actually Icelandic and Catla is a mountain, ah. you know, I think, or a volcano in Iceland. But her whole model now is that she's found or using software, <coughs> excuse me, that allows her to just have one of each um, item in, in her shops. And then ah. if people like it, they can try it on. And then she's got all these um, uh, seamstresses. Well, I don't know what the word is. Anyway, production houses all around the States. And if someone wants it, they can just say, I'd like the size 14 and it will be delivered to their home within two days of ordering. Wow. And someone's made it locally. That's and I cool. thought, and she was telling me the the issues that there are with um, stock, which I don't think a lot of people outside of the fashion industry really realize that because you've got a, not only are you carrying so much stock, but if you're doing big ranges of things, so say you decided to go much wider than just leggings, you've got to carry those ranges in every single, I mean, it's like yeah. millions of dollars. <laughs> and you've also got to, if you want to sell it into stores, you've got to get them a year earlier. And you don't exactly. know which of the things you've designed people are going to like and people aren't going to like. So apparently there is, and, and there's some, um, 
there was a video that I saw recently that showed it's something like 45% of fashion goes to landfill. It's something huge yeah. like that. It's ter- it is. It's terrible. And when you're making – so the other thing too to consider, so that was one thing that was considering and then when I was working with the manufacturer, they didn't want to make the big sizes because we continually went backwards and forwards about – you won't get as many pairs of leggings out of the fabric. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I understand that. But because you don't. Like, and that's why no, a lot of, of these, I mean, the, the reality is that these brands, ah, like Lorna Jane and Lululemon, don't want to make it because out of one, you know, a metre of. Bolt of fabric or whatever. Well, even just out of a metre, they could get maybe four pairs of size six, but I'll get one pair of size 30 you know, yeah, things like right. that. And even with my T-shirt, so with my T, you know, so there is a lot of, again, excess fabric. So what I try and do with that is I've been, um, you know, just making scrunchies or things like that that I can add into the packages as gifts and, you know, we're looking at with the excess fabric that we're getting for some of the Australian ones, just making the dog bandanas to match your leggings and things like that. Yeah, so nice. just trying to use the fabric. But, yeah, it is it is difficult. So that was one of the difficulties was. And then, and then know, talk even, to me, though, quickly, though, about price. What do you do? So are the size 30 and 38 four times the price of? No, because you can't really no. do that. I, 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 I can there understand are brands that, that do. There are yeah, some and brands I can, that, I can understand the logic, but in terms of oh. the inclusiveness, it's yeah, it's no. kind of going no. You've got to pay extra for being different, and it's yeah. just not inclusive, is it? No, not at all. And um, yeah, so no, we don't. We charge the same price for every size. Which yeah, I mean you you could do a range, but yeah, we don't. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, just even convincing manufacturers to make the bigger sizes um, was a challenge. So, you know, finding someone. So it was also about the quality um, because I didn't want, I wanted Lululemon, Lorna Jane quality. I know I use them, but they're like, no, well, no, Lorna, but they're Lorna names Jane's, that everyone knows. Yeah. Lorna Jane's quality has really deteriorated. Lululemon's still pretty high. Um, so my leggings won't split. So we have, you know, big girls doing squats and um, they don't, they will not split. Like the stitching is amazing. They're really, really um Good. So quality was really important to me, and then the the design. So having really fun, funky yeah, you designs, have got really not just cool black. fabrics. Yeah, we think so. Really so yeah. Cool. So, but again, trying to get that and to actually own. So you've got to pay. So you know, if if I draw it, I still had to pay an artist to make it look, you know, like what I was trying to draw because I'm not an artist either. So you know, I would draw my flamingos in there, and I'm like, they they have to have tutus and they have to have pearls. I don't know why, but that was what I wanted. And, <laughs> You know, things like that. And they got, find it. Yeah, and they would draw it for me. So I'd draw m- my version, then they'd make it look beautiful, fat unicorns. We've got. Oh, so are you actually creating, you're printing the fabrics as well? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. my God, I didn't realise that, Brenda. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. I would have thought there'd be loads of people that would buy that fabric off you because it is so cool. You've got great well, designs. Yeah, well, we don't sell it. <laughs> we don't sell no. it to anybody else. So you're going to have to do, and you also do PJs, I noticed, which I love. We so. do, some Lux PJs. <laughs> but with that, we we buy the fabric. So we were buying Ellie Whittaker fabric. She has beautiful designs. And the last right. lot were some beautiful Aboriginal designs. So Gorgeous. Yeah, so we have, and then we have our T-shirts as well, which we make in Australia. So, um, but I was going to say the other interesting thing was when I was getting the patterns made. So yeah. I didn't know anything about pattern making either. And with curvy girls, you know, originally they the instead of appro- like making the patterns bigger 
how they should be made bigger. Yeah. The design, the the manufacturer just went, oh, yeah, they must be just bigger all over. So I'll just, I don't know how they did it. But so, oh, so that the things legs would arrive like, and it would be like this. And Oh, my. Now, for uh, yeah. anyone that can't see, that's absolutely <laughs> oh, <sorry>. like, you're <laughs> like you're wearing a tent. Yeah. But also and, I can and all see your that. Underarms so the, are pointing, pointing right out, you know, like you, you go up in a curve towards your breast <laughs> and instead of coming in tight because we have like a tank top, it was like out really wide because for some reason they thought you go out wide at the side as well at the top. Like your boobs, I suppose, were always around your back as well, if that <laughs> helps with the description. <laughs> yes, I know. That's crazy. Um, oh, my God. We're, well, we've got to keep going because we haven't got too much longer, but I want to talk to you a little bit about um, – and I've got a million and one questions, so we're going to run out of time, I know. But um, talk to me about – you've got Australian of the Year, Tamman Burford, Taran. you've done stuff with. Taryn, you've yeah. done stuff with. You're yes. also partnering with Friend in Me and um, Embrace. Yes. But yes. talk to me a little bit about what was the strategy behind that? How did that all come about? So it actually started with um, – uh, with Taryn and we wanted to make some leggings for Embrace the movie. Oh, you know, just for Embrace. So well, around what is body em- positivity. Embrace, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell, oh, is that what it is? I don't uh, even know what yeah, it is. So, oh, so she made a um, documentary called Embrace and it's all about women uh, not loving their bodies. So, yeah, and so just trying I knew to show done a women, documentary. Yeah, and trying to show embrace. women that we're all different and really none of us look like the magazines. And she actually shows in her movie, which is amazing, how they photoshopped her. And it's just really unreal. It's unrealistic then to even think that anybody would look like someone in a magazine. And it's all about, um, you know, and because I have some models that are um, in wheelchairs, and we have models uh, that are, are so amazing. I just want to, <laughs> I want to hug you just for saying that. That's fantastic. No, no, no. But it's just like, but you learn so much because it's like for yeah. L and um, can't think of her name, Peter, Peter, Peter yeah. Hook. Um, they grew up never believing that they could be a model, never seeing anybody in fashion that looked like them. So all sports girl, you know, they would love to wear sports girl clothes, but no mod, nobody ever was in a wheelchair in sports girl clothes in no. any of the magazines, things like that. So, you know, and it's for, like for anybody who's bigger or, or different, you know, colours, well, skin issues, whatever. Well, it doesn't look like the magazines. Yeah, you, exactly. yeah, it doesn't look like me. Which so is all of I us. Can't be, I can't aspire to be that person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so um, we wanted to make some leggings that have body positivity messages on them or something like that. And her, her Terrence, I had a girl, the girl that I was using who was turning my pictures into body, you know. That's a great idea. Art. And yeah. she, I said to her, this is what we want. And so she actually um, created the designs and we've got about, we've got four different designs that are the kids embrace leggings and they have all positive messages like unique me, um, you know, incredible me, um, rock your body, all those sorts of messages on them. They're just oh, so wonderful. cool. They are. They're really cool. And then part of the money that of the sale of that goes back to help her make the embrace movie that she's making uh, for kids. Oh, sorry. So she's making an embrace one for kids now that's going to be free to all Australian schools because what she found doing the Embrace movie a documentary for adults was kids feel the same. So there's kids that feel like they're it's being – It's awful, isn't it? Just awful. They don't like themselves. They really don't. No. There's kids 
young kids that have anorexia. I myself have a son who doesn't have an eating disorder but has this weird... Body image issue. Well, he works out at the gym every day, but he has all these weird eating habits and stuff like that. So it's about that. Um, right. So, yeah, so very proud of our um, embrace leggings. And it's quite funny because the grown-ups keep asking, can they have them too? So we are going to make, a, you know, we're yes. going to do a run of adults <laughs> ones as well. So yeah, that'll I be want cool. Some. And there's actually <laughs> something going on on the 10th of March with embrace, um, but I'm I'm not sure what it is. They've just reached out to me and told me about that. So that's exciting. But that's oh, where we well, first started. And then the Hunger Project, I went on a retreat with a business retreat with some with the Hunger Project and have done leggings, a collaboration with them as well, that the money goes back to the Hunger Project, part of the oh, sales. You're amazing, Brenda. So no. I it's something that gives me joy. Like I just I could I I'm not, you know, I don't know. I've had, you know, never been super rich and and I know that there's a lot of people, but I feel that I'm really lucky. So I just really want to be able to give things to other people and I just do it with things that I'm quite passionate about. So, oh, you know, I think so the beautiful. project and that is important. And Sorry. Yeah. I, well, I think you're right and I think that for a lot of women who would be listening, we get it straight away because I do think that there is a joy and a delight and a fabulousness that comes with helping other people that you, you can't quantify, but it's worth a lot more than just money. It um, is, it and, is. And, but you are absolutely walking the walk. So thank you <laughs> thank for you. everything that you're doing, including for us. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, All right. You know, now it's important. It is very important. Now, um, I know that you've got to go in a tick, but I'm going to just ask you a couple more questions. One is about juggling work and life. Now, I know that you've got your full-time job plus you're doing the leggings and you're a mum. How One of the things that I've realised when I've been doing all these interviews with women is how some women just push themselves until they burn out. And, you know, and I thought burnout might be just a, a week that you needed to do in bed, but for some of them it's a year or even two oh. years. So it's so full on that I like to ask people, how are you doing the juggle so that you don't burn out? How do you separate um, work and life a bit. Yeah, so I get up early to do my bikini work and then I do my okay. day job. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, then I come back and do it again. I come back and do any other bikini stuff I have to do at night. I have a virtual assistant who helps right, and does right. a lot of this stuff. I can't do it on my own. Um it's just not possible. And in fact, if I could work in the business more, I would. But I also have to support the family because luckily me, I'm the breadwinner. Um, yes, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I, you know, have to factor in four children who have different, you know, uh, what would you call it, and- needs of me. So, you know, they're, yeah. they're grown-ups but they still want to have catch-ups and things like that. So yeah. work that into the 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 calendar sort of thing and I so also it like but do you take a day off like do you say Sundays are days when I won't do work or um, or after seven at night a, I won't do work or anything like that I don't do that but maybe on the weekends I tried to not do as much right. um but you know sometimes I'm catching up but I do have times where I go you know what I'm really exhausted and I'm just going to go to the beach and that's oh, it good. that's time for me to rest and recover um and do because you go on we, holidays? You know, do you do you plan holidays? Every I do. Year? So I had a, a four day break 
earlier. Four days, Brenda. <laughs> you need more than that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, no, but it was just fabulous because I went away with some fr- girlfriends. So that's kind of really filling your cup. Um, yeah, true. You know, we had a family holiday. We had two weeks down at the beach, but, you know, there was people coming and going and catching, you know. Yes. Relatives, but, you know, so it's busy. Um, it's but busy, yeah. but it's nice and it gets you into summer mode, I guess. It does, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I do, I do, I'm planning a holiday later in the year, but I'm also going to do a bit of business while I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think I, you know, I, I find with all of us, as long as we're aware of it, that if you love what you're doing, it's kind of not quite the same. You know, it's that whole yeah. thing of if you love what you're doing, it's not really work. Well, that's not true either. But no. <laughs> somewhere in the middle mean. of that, it's true though, I think. Yeah. That it, yeah. It, it is really spite. Okay. And last question before you go, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? <laughs> I love asking this question. I know. <laughs> I thought about that. But one of the things is that I actually collect, uh, collect snow domes. So, oh my God, do you really? <laughs> yeah, so I've got a lot of snow domes from different places I've visited that mean something to me. Um, yeah, and you, oh you know, a lot goodness, of them are Brenda. just the real tacky plastic ones. You know, you shake them up and you've got all the. But snow that's what makes and, them so great. <laughs> I know. And then I, um, my, um, husband bought a beautiful Disneyland one, you know, that actually has music and, you know, so they go from the very, you know, $1 ones to obviously some that might have cost a little bit more. But, yeah, so I collect snow domes. No one knows that, but they do That now. is so funny because <laughs> yes. there is a woman in our group and uh, yeah. called Leah. Have you yeah. heard of Leah, the queen of snow globes? No. You but I'm going to have to, to look I'm, for her now. I'm going to, yes, yeah, so she's in Australia. Yeah. The website is queenofsnowglobes.com and she makes them for you. So I think you're going to have to do some <gasps> oh, beekeeping snow globes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Just as you I were know. saying that, I thought, how spooky. She was oh. at our, um, our She's Connected um, event with the US last week. <gasps> oh, how fabulous. So, yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah, no, it was great. Well, Brenda, I don't even know how to tell you how great you are, but you are wonderful. Oh, and if you, you were here, I'd be giving you the biggest hug. Thank Can you, you so much. Tell everybody how to get how to get hold of your leggings and yes. or how to have a chat with you if they wanted to get hold of you. No phone numbers or email addresses, but what else? How, how can they get hold of you? So they can get hold of me on um, Instagram. Okay. Uh, Keen underscore activewear and Keen K E. Yep. Yeah, K E A N E. So my dad, yep. my my surname, my original surname was Keen. So be Keen. Love um, it. And or my website, which is www.bekeenhealthyandfit.com.au. Because guess, you'd never guess, but I'm a personal what? trainer as well. <laughs> oh my god! I want you to be my personal trainer. I need to do exercise oh, too. I, so do I. But yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, Thank you Brenda. So much. You are so amazing. I can't wait to share this. And oh, thank, um, you. thank you for everything that you're doing. And I have no doubt at all that we're going to be seeing Be Keen leggings everywhere um, uh, as, so. as we get the word out about them because you're doing a brilliant thing. So thank you so much for what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 